Well, let's go ahead and open our Bibles this morning to the book of Luke. The book of Luke. And I want us to go to uh, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, and it, uh, obviously is one of the more familiar passages that we know about, uh, the, you know, what we refer to as the Christmas story. Uh, it's the account of uh, what occurred uh, the night of Jesus' birth. Um, there's some amazing things that took place. Uh, you've got shepherds that, that, that see something that no one else has ever seen. Just to be one of those shepherds would have been cool. I mean, I mean, just, I mean, I, I can't even begin to describe how amazing that would be to hear an angelic choir singing in open air and you can hear it and audibly hear the words. There's no overpowering music that you can't hear the singers. It just, I mean, everything about it, everybody would be on key, on tune, everything. It just would have been amazing. Would have been an amazing thing to see. And God revealed that to a bunch of sheep herders, Amen. shepherds. He didn't go to a king. He didn't go to the Pharisees. He didn't go to the, the, the if you will, the religious ones. He, he did it for somebody that simply was doing what God has asked a lot of people to do, which is, you know, care for some sheep. Us. We're sheep. But, you know, praise the Lord. He, he, he does that. And, and, and I want to go to verse eight of Luke chapter two. And it says, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. I, I like how, again, I'm not going to get too much into this because that's a whole nother message in itself, but these are diligent shepherds. They're diligent shepherds. Typically, what do you try to do in the evening? Sleep. You know, you're around the 50 mark, and then all of a sudden, you know, 4 o'clock starts looking good for bedtime. Yeah, I mean, you know, at least you get the at least you get the 3 to 5 o'clock nap, and then you can go to bed somewhere around 8. You're good. You know, you stuff food in between there somehow, and, you, you know, you're fine, right? But, you know, these guys are diligent. They weren't sleeping. They were being watchful. They were being watchful. There's a whole other message with that. I can tell you there's a whole other message. But it says they were keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were so afraid. Have you ever seen the glory of the Lord? No. Not like these guys did. Not like these guys. I mean, you know, Isaiah saw it. Paul saw it. John saw it. Ezekiel saw it. Moses saw it. Some people, you know, choice individuals saw it. These guys, just humble shepherds, they saw it. They saw it. And it says in verse 10, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now, again, he proclaims this message making it very clear a Savior for all people is being born. Now, this is important when we begin to understand what the book of Luke is about and how it portrays Christ's humanity. Him being in the the form of a man. 
And, and, and it's amazing to see that God would send himself, his sacrifice in a human form in flesh to be a savior for all. Not just the Jew, but the Jew and the Gentile. Not just the religious, which needed salvation too, but for the sinner as well. And praise God that God has done that. And this morning, I want to talk to you about what what he clearly says in verse 10. I bring you good tidings. Good tidings. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this time. Thank you again, Lord, for those that are here this morning. I pray, Lord, that as we talk about uh, the good tidings that have been delivered unto us, that, Lord, we would clearly understand what those tidings are, what message you have given to us, what what, what glorious love and care and, and compassion that you have had upon us, and that, Lord, we would just have great joy in those good tidings. I thank you again for all that you've done for us, especially coming and dying for our sins, providing a way of salvation, rising again so that we would have a home in heaven with you. And Lord, I pray we keep that at the forefront of our mind as part of that good tidings. Thank you again, Lord, just for this time and opportunity. Pray you just be with me in my voice and in my mind, Lord, that all that is said and done would be pleasing and honoring and glorifying unto you. And this I ask in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So right there in Luke chapter 2, we have that phrase, good tidings. Good tidings. Now that phrase shows up several times in scripture. And it's, it's an important, those two words are important to understand. Now obviously when we think about the word tidings, we're talking about something that is a message. It is a message that is being relayed. The message that is given to one person to give to someone else. God gave this message to these angels so that they would deliver that message to everyone. And and it's important because it didn't come from the angels themselves. It didn't come from their thought process. It didn't come from their plan. They weren't talking about their, their, uh, uh, their actions, their deeds. They're talking about... God and what he is doing and what he is going to do about the savior that has come about the savior that is, is going to be, as he says to all people, this is good tidings. This is good tidings. This message that, that is given from one to another in such a way is one that he describes as good. Now, when we think about the word good, you know, we, sometimes we don't really understand how, how that word is. We kind of use good in this day and age as a lesser form. We say, well, there's great and then there's good. We ask somebody about a meal and they say, oh, how's the meal? Oh, it's good. Oh, it's good. We, we, we take it as, oh, there's something that you don't like about it. <laughs> but if somebody says, oh, it's great, then we, you know, we change. But I'll tell you this, that word good is just as powerful as the word great. We, we, we changed it. We changed it. Because the Bible says that God is good. If God is good, 
then, then, then that doesn't mean that he's any lesser in, in, in this. It should never be any lesser in the sight of people. He's good. When he calls us and he says, you're ordained unto good works. Once you're saved, you're born again, child of God. God expects you to do something. He says, there's, there's good works that you need to be doing according to Ephesians 2.10. And what we find is good are the things that are pleasing and acceptable in the sight of God. Those are, those are good things. And we should take that word good and we should put it on this level that, that it was that the angels are using it with. It's a good tiding. These, this message is not just the one that's just, hey, I'm relaying some information to you that you may or may not need, that you may or may not use in this life. That maybe something is, uh, you know, how people will do that FYI for your information. And you read it and go, okay, I don't care. Or you read it and go, okay, that's interesting. Or you read it and go, hey, I needed to know that. That's not this. This, was, this wasn't an FYI informational. This, this was, wasn't something that was one of those emails that you get at work that you're like, do I really have to read this? This wasn't one of those, uh, uh, you know, uh, if you will, uh, uh, learning uh, modules that you have to go through that you sit there and, and, and you're just, your mind is numb by the time you're done with it because it's all a bunch of informational, you know, gibberish. And you're sitting there going, why did I even need to know this? And you, and you decide, well, I'm going to file that away in the when I need it cabinet. And that when I need it cabinet usually has no bottom and it falls right into the round file. <laughs> because we, you know, again, we take a look at those messages and we go, well, you know, I'm going to take a look at what that, the importance behind it. And I'm going to decide whether or not I need to retain that message. Or is this something that I can look up later on? Or is this something that I really need to know? But this is more than that. This is a message that affected everyone. While it was being given to these shepherds here, uh, it makes it very clear that this is something that is to all, as he says in verse 10, which shall be to all people. These are tidings that are not just meant for the shepherds. These are tidings that are just meant for the Jew. These are tidings that it's meant for everybody. Everybody. This this verse, Luke chapter 2, verse 10, has partner verses that it goes along with. John 3, 16. That says, the whosoever. That talks about the world. It goes in line over there with Second Peter three nine, where he where he specifically says, "God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." Those are partner verses with this, where God is expressing His love towards His creation. Yes, He He set aside the nation of Israel for a purpose. Those 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 Jews were meant to deliver a message to the rest of the world. Which is one of the reasons why they're so hated, by the way. Which is why one of the reasons why Christians are hated today. Because we deliver a message. But we deliver a message of good tidings. I mean, you think about this for a second. 
you know, when somebody confronts you about a sin, it's not always the best best news, is it? When you get caught with your hand in the cookie jar, that's not the, you know, and somebody walks in and says, what are you doing? That's They're not really delivering messages of good tidings, you would think. But I want you to see how God phrased this and how he told the angels to say this, uh, specifically the angel of the Lord, which he says, "For behold, I bring you tidings, uh, bring you good tidings of great joy. He could, why? Because uh, he says there, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior, a savior. You know, one of the important things to really understand and truly grasp a hold of is the concept of who God is, who man is, and who Jesus Christ is. Those three things right there will really truly give you an understanding of what God's plan has always been. God is holy and righteous and cannot allow sin into heaven. Man has a sin problem that needs to be dealt with for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. We've got to get that taken care of. Enter Jesus Christ. God himself coming down in the flesh to give himself on a cross, brutalized, beaten, punished for our sins, dying for our sins so that we would have a home in heaven one day, that we would have for forgiveness of sins. We see that man has a need for a savior. People always ask, what do you want for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas? And it's always interesting to watch what people do and how they respond around Christmas time. Because sometimes people will respond around Christmas time and what are they, they'll get people what they want. They take it as that time and that opportunity to do what? To, to say, oh, okay, well, I'm going to give them something that they want. Something that's a little bit of a, you know, if you will, unnecessary. But then there's the people that are like, you open up the package and you're like, oh, yeah, I got socks and underwear. The necessity, right? What they need. I'll tell you this, Jesus Christ knew exactly what we needed. Jesus Christ knew exactly what we needed. And what that need is, is the need for a Savior. And it's good tidings. I want you to see how this verse right here fulfills a prophetic passage. Go over to the book of Isaiah. Turn to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61. In Isaiah chapter 61, and this is even a passage that Jesus Christ himself read in the temple. But in Isaiah chapter 61, here it says, and this is, if you will, Jesus speaking in the book of Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. 
He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance, our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them uh, beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness for the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Now, there's a lot right there in those three verses to just, I mean, it's just packed, okay? I have no intention of trying to preach all that right now because there is so much that's there. One thing that I really love and, and it jumps off the page with me is where he says, that, that specifically, he says uh, that they might be called trees of righteousness. Remember when uh, God healed the blind man? And the first thing he saw is he says, I see men as trees walking. That's always been the idea. That's how God sees you and me. That's how God sees you and me. For a brief moment in time, that man had a vision, the way, or the, if you will, the eyesight, the way that God sees people. The way that God sees people. Man, there's some people in the Bible, they got some really, really amazing stuff happened to them. But I'll tell you this, one of the most amazing things that has ever happened is when you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's nothing better than that. Yeah, some people may have seen some pretty amazing things, but you know, I'll tell you this, when it comes to realizing that we have a Savior and you meet him at the cross and he saves your soul and he gives you eternal life. He pulls you out of that miry clay. He sets you upon that rock. He gives you salvation. There is an amazing thing that just happened. It's miraculous. It is miraculous. It is marvelous as the Bible talks about. We read this this morning. The marvelous works his right hand does. And what we find here in this passage very clearly is I want you to see that the Lord had anointed Jesus Christ to do something, and that was to preach. Jesus Christ came. He was a preacher. I want you to understand that he was a preacher. What does a preacher do? Preacher isn't about embellishment. The preacher isn't about the show. The preacher isn't about, you know, being the ultimate, you know, greatest speaker that ever was. Uh, it wasn't about all of that stuff. The other day I saw a little video clip of some of the things and some of the productions that people are doing, uh, around Christmas time. You may have seen it, but it was a, it was a guessing game and you had to guess which was the secular one and which was the church one. You know really quickly exactly what I'm talking about when you can't tell the difference. By the way, Jingle Bell Rock is not a hymn that we will sing in this church. <laughs> Ever. As long as I am pastoring this church. Okay? As long as it still says God's Word Baptist Church on the front of it. it no. Which, by the way, we are getting a new sign, so just calm down. Okay. <laughs> You know, after the last one was destroyed, we were getting one that's metal, that's going to be durable. They could, they could try all they want, okay? But, you know, very clearly, he preached a message. Those angels delivered a message of good tidings. Jesus Christ preached a message of good tidings. You know what his message was? Your Savior is here. 
The message was, I'm here for you. I came for you. What great, what could be greater than that? That's a good tidings. That's a good message to deliver. That the Lord cared for us, as it says in Romans 5, 8, that God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is a good tidings. That is a good tiding. But I want you to notice it's a good tiding unto the meek. Unto the meek. He makes it very clear here that this is the message, but the ones that are going to receive it are going to be the ones that are meek. This message isn't a good tiding to those that are proud. This isn't a good message to those that are self-involved. This isn't a good message. These aren't great tidings to the ones that don't care about anybody else. We talked a little bit about meekness the other day when we were talking about the book of James. And meekness, when you start getting down to it and when you look at the etymology of it and you look at how the word developed in the English language and you look at the definitions behind it, you see see that the, the, the word meek involves a couple of key important principles, and that is humbleness, yielding, and submitted. You've got to be humble to receive the message that you're a sinner and you need a Savior. Because if you don't think you've sinned, well, I guess you don't need a Savior then. But you do. You do, because you can never pay for your own sins. And if you haven't think you sin, I dare say you, 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 you done sinned with that thought. (laughs) That's pride. But they're not going to receive it, but somebody that is humble will receive it. Somebody that is willing to yield their will to God's will that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. They're willing to yield and, if you will, turn to the Lord in repentance. That's a good tiding. Somebody that is submitted and that says, I will submit unto the Savior. Who is my God? Who is my Lord? I will submit to him. I will submit to him. I will submit to his Holy Spirit. Those are good tidings. Those are things that that we as believers, when we look at, we need to understand that preaching of that is something that should get us excited. Something that we look at and we realize here he is fulfilling scripture that that, that, the the angels are talking about saying, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to proclaim some good tidings. Your savior is here. Here, Jesus Christ is speaking in Isaiah as he is later on in the book of Luke. He's saying, I've come. Here I am. This is good tidings. I'm going to preach this. Because, I mean, it's good tidings because what does he say here? He, he, he's been sent to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the, the captives, and to opening a prison to them that are bound. We were bound in sin and darkness. We were in that prison. We were held captive by death that overshadowed us because if we died in our sins, we would die that second death. 
And we, 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 we were broken hearted. And some of us have, may have had our hearts broken in this life. Maybe it was a family member. Maybe it was a loved one. Maybe it was, uh, a, you know, a spouse. Maybe it was a child. Maybe whatever it may be. Maybe it was somebody that you thought was interested in you, but really wasn't and so on and so forth. But there was a heart that was broken. Well, I'll tell you this. When we sinned, our hearts broke. Because they're, they're not the same anymore. Paul makes it clear. He says, sin revived and I died. That heart broke. When your heart breaks, physically, you die. You die. Your valve stops working, you die. Your heart stops beating, you die. It, it starts leaking all over the place. You die. Which is exactly what happened when we sinned. We died. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. Which is why it's so great to understand that there is a God that loved us and cares for us that he would send good tidings and say, hey, I'll pay for that. I'll pay for that. Perfect illustration just happened to me yesterday. Uh, I had some friends uh, borrow this little hand truck from me. One of those ones you get to Costco, holds a thousand pounds. It's really cool. You know, it can, it has three ways. You can do this as a flatbed hand truck, you know, all the little trunk. It's a cool, it's a cool cart. Okay. It's handy to have around the house, especially when you can't lift anything anymore. And I let them borrow it and I let them borrow it a long time ago. And uh, I was asking about it because I think I'm going to need it, considering my condition, you know, if I ever need to move something. And I saw it on sale at Costco again, and it made me think about it. I'm like, oh, hey, I don't think I ever got that back. Well, it was supposed to have been delivered. It was supposed to be brought back. The guy that said that he brought it back, he said, no, I delivered it. He said, my wife was with me. I'm like, well, I don't see anything, and and there was nothing that showed up on my ring camera about it. So, I don't know, where is it? And they all figured it was lost. So the guys that borrowed it were talking about who's going to buy it and who's going to get another one. Who's going to pay for it? Who's going to pay for the lost cart? Well, needless to say, we got it all figured out. Uh, He came to deliver the one that he just bought brand new for me from Costco, and he pulls up to my driveway and he goes, this isn't where I delivered it. He goes over two houses down and he, he knocks on the door and he says, hey, back in July, I dropped off a cart here. And they go, you're the cart guy. We've been trying to find this for months, figure out whose cart this is. And he goes, oh, yeah, it's two neighbors down. And he's like, I'm sorry. And they give him the cart. So I got my cart back. Praise the Lord. But 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 the conversation was, is who's going to pay for the lost cart? Who's going to pay for your sins? Who's going to pay for the fact that you're lost sheep? Well, the good tidings is that Jesus Christ did. The good tidings is that God himself sent himself to die on the cross for our sins. There is no greater 
There is no, if you will, pardon the horrible grammar, there is no gooder (laughs) tiding than that. There's nothing better than that. Turn, if you will, to uh, another passage in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 52. Isaiah chapter 52, and I want to point this out. Isaiah chapter 52, this is an important principle. Here we have the angels delivering a message that's prophetic, messianic, and fulfilled. We have Jesus Christ speaking in Isaiah as he read that same passage was an adult in, in the temple, fulfilling it. He himself speaking it again in Isaiah chapter 61. He delivers a message. He preaches a message of good tidings. In Isaiah chapter 52 and in verse 7, look at what it says here. It says, uh, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. He mentions it twice in their good tidings. And he talks about how beautiful feet are. Now, of all the things that God has created, feet are the most peculiar. They're bizarre. Just sit down and meditate on your feet for a while. Evolution kind of gets moved out of the picture, okay? Just understand that. When you look at a foot, I wouldn't say feet are the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Feet are feet. Feet are dirty. Feet walk in places that are nasty. You know, you, you drop some food on the floor and, and, and that's where your feet have been. What do you do? Don't pick it up and eat it. You call the dog, right? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I don't need to call the dog because Rollo hears it. His little bat-like ears. The other day, I dropped a chip on the floor. And he's there. And he got, he, he grabs it. It's gone. Why? Because anytime we're in the kitchen, he's there. He knows he's getting a freebie somehow. Whether we have compassion on him and his poor little sad face going, please feed me. Because he's a starving little boy. No, he's not. Or whether or not it drops on the floor, you know, there's some things that we don't, you know, obviously the stuff that's not good for the dogs, we don't let them have it. You don't feed them grapes, you don't feed them onions and stuff like that, it's going to make them sick. But, you know, there, there he is, he's, he's ready to get that. But when, when, we, when we think about how good and how beautiful, I should say, these feet are that deliver this, this is, this is setting aside the fact that feet walk in a dirty world. You know, you and I, as believers today, we walk in a dirty world. It is pretty filthy out there. But you know how beautiful it is when those same feet bring good tidings? He talks about this in, in, in this passage and in Romans in just a few minutes. We'll, we'll, we'll take a look at that. 
But I want you to, to understand here how he says these feet that, that are, what does it say, that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace. That, that, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation. The Great Commission over there in the book of Mark, chapter 16, says go. Says go. Meaning that there's movement involved. Meaning that we have to get up and do it. That we have to put forth effort. That we have to go and preach that message, just like Jesus Christ preached. That we are the ones that have to, if you will, bring and deliver that same good tidings, that same message that comes from God himself that says that there is a Savior for each person. Jesus Christ died for all, that all might be saved. Not just a few. Not just an elect, select group. But he died for everyone. He gave himself. He took upon the sin of the entire world for us. And there is no better message than that. And God considers beauty when you are telling somebody about your Savior. That's beautiful to him. People will look around. We live in a we, we live in an amazing area right here on the Columbia River. There's beautiful things. I like you know when I come down Heron Avenue and I get to right crest over and I get to see over on the Oregon side and I see the the fog and the haze and stuff like that. It's beautiful. I like hearing the fog horns of the ships that are out there in the Columbia. I like that. I like seeing the trees. I like seeing the wildlife. The other day drove by. There was a deer standing on the side of the road. We were, I was leaving church the, the other night, and as I was driving away from church, there's this deer that comes walking down, pioneer, makes a turn, starts heading up north on 8th Avenue, just like trotting along, just like he was out for a walk. <laughs> just no care in the world. didn't matter that there was cars whizzing past him. He's just like, I don't care. Just driving along, or not, not driving along. If he was driving, there's a problem. Just walking along. Just walking along. But you just, I mean, you, you look at that and you go, man, that, that, that's cool. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Right now, I mean, we've got the fog and we've got the sun coming in. That's beautiful. I like that. The sunsets recently, have you seen the sunsets and the sunrises? Man, just beautiful. Looking at the, some of these pictures that we've got on the wall with all of these uh, winter scenes and stuff like that. I love the winter time of year, and I love this. I love the one with the train. That's one of my favorites. And, and it's just, to me, that's beautiful. Now, I want you to think about the things that are beautiful to you. And I want you to understand that God considers there's more beauty when you are opening your mouth and you're telling somebody that God loved them enough to die on the cross for them. God thinks that's one of the most beautiful things. God thinks that's just absolutely amazing. It's beautiful to him. It's beautiful to him. When you're publishing that people can be at peace with God, when you're publishing that people can have salvation 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's beautiful. It's beautiful when you speak those good tidings. Turn, if you will, to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 makes salvation perfectly clear. Romans chapter 10 is the passage that you go to when you're wanting to tell somebody about those good tidings. Because in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. What are you being saved from? You're being saved from the punishment of sins, which is eternal death, torment, and just a horrible place to be in the lake of fire. You need to be saved from that. If you were heading towards a bridge that was out, and somebody was standing on the side of the road trying to flag you down saying the bridge is out. They just saved your life. They just saved your life. Jesus Christ is saying, as he's trying to flag us down on this journey of life, he's saying there's something worse than the bridge out. This is the wrong path. He says he is the way the truth, and the life. And God makes it really clear. In verse 13, he makes it very clear. He says, for whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Salvation is so simple. We don't have to do anything. I don't have to work for it. I don't have to pay for it. God provides it. God gives it freely. It says it is a gift from God. There's a gift from God. Setting aside all the scammers and the Nigerian princes, if somebody called you up today and said, I've got a gift for you of several million dollars, that'd be good good tidings. You'd be like, okay, okay. No strings attached. I don't have to send you $2,000. I don't have to send you five. No. I just want to give it to you. You would receive that as a good tiding. But there's such greater tiding than that, which is the good tiding of the message of salvation that is being preached here. And here he says in verse 14 of Romans chapter 10, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? You realize that each and every one of us, God has called to preach that gospel. Male, female, young, old, doesn't matter. We've all been called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've all been called to declare the glory of the Lord in salvation. We've all have been called as believers to be ambassadors of the reconciliation between God and man that Christ did upon the cross of Calvary. There is no greater message. You realize that's what an ambassador does? They deliver messages. President tells our ambassadors to go tell 
the president or uh, the uh, another ambassador about something that needs to be done in another country. And the ambassadors talk, or the ambassadors talk with the kings or the rulers or the parliament or whoever it may be, prime ministers and so on and so forth. They've got important things. Why? Because they're relaying messages. That's what an ambassador does. They're representing the country. We're representing Jesus Christ. That's our commission according to what Paul wrote down to the church at Corinth. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to. And and here he asks, he says, how are they going to hear if nobody's telling it? And we make it really easy. In today's day and age, it is easy to deliver the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got tracks back there. We've got cool tracks. You've got tracks that have got movement things on there. I mean, they've got all sorts of stuff. You've got tracks for all sorts of subjects that tie into all sorts of things. We've got tracks. It's easy, right? All you have to do is hand them. You can hand it to them and run. (laughs) Don't do that. That's a little weird, okay? That's That's weird. Never forget the time that Tim Shanks was downtown. He was in uh, Portland. He was passing out tracks. This guy comes up to him and he says, Hey, what are you doing this for? I'm a no good blankety blank and he uses a whole bunch of foul words to describe who he was and so on and so forth. And, and Tim just looks at him and goes, after the guy says, what do you have to say about that? And the guy says, Here, here's Tim just standing there and he goes, Jesus loves you and hands him a track. And the guy goes, okay, thanks. Talk about de-escalation. But, you know, understand this. It's easy. But again, don't rely just on the track to deliver the message. He wants you to speak it with your mouth. He wants to speak it with your mouth. He also wants to make sure that you're living it in your life. Because if you're saying one thing and doing something else, the messages are mixed up. When you're delivering good tidings, you better be living good tidings. Because that's God's expectation. But take a look at what he says here in verse 15. He says, and how shall they uh, preach except they be sent? And God sends each and every one of us. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace, that bring glad tidings of good things. Glad tidings of good things. Several thousands of years ago, in a field, some shepherds had some really good tidings. A Savior had come to save them from their sins. Not just to save Israel, but to provide salvation to all the world. There is no better tiding than that. It's good. It's really good. If you're here today and you have not ever received Christ as your Savior, this message is for you. There's good tidings. You, you don't have to perish in your sins. God loved you. 
He died on the cross for you. He expressed that love through those actions, through what he put in this book, so that you would have a relationship with him and spend an eternity with him. That's what he wants. You want to know what the mind of God is? Now, it's hard to understand everything about who God is and all the way he thinks, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, but he does give us a thought that we can all agree upon and that we can all understand. He loves you and he wants to know you and wants a relationship with you, which is why he died on that cross. Because he does not want you to perish. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, today is the day to do it. Don't put it off for tomorrow. Don't put it off for next week. Don't put it off for the new year. You take care of it right now. That's God's intention. That's what God wants in your life. Is He wants you to be saved. He wants to save you. His hand is stretched out saying, take it, take it, take it. He's calling. In a moment, we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. I invite you to come. Somebody will take you aside and show you what exactly I'm talking about in detail. That you can know that you have eternal life, as the Bible says in 1 John. Not just hope for it as the world hopes for winning a lottery, but something that is sure in Jesus Christ and in Him and Him alone. Believer, if you're here today and you haven't been preaching the tidings that much, it's something good to share. It's something good to share. Grab some tracks. Tell people at work. Tell your loved ones. Don't, 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 don't wait. You don't know if they've got tomorrow. Make sure you're living it. It's one of the things that really confounded the doctors and nurses. They kept looking at me going, King, you've just been through some of the most miserable things. You know, we like you. You're a great patient, but we don't want to see you again. (laughs) We're tired of seeing you here because it's hurting us. And they're like, how in the world do you still remain and I, I you know I, I thought maybe I was you know a little down some point, points but they're like how do you still just not be what we see with everyone else it's because I have a better hope it's because my hope is found in Jesus Christ and those nurses knew there was something different and it was always good because you'd find out some of those nurses would go, "Oh, you go? To, oh, oh, oh! You're you're a Christian? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, what, what church do you go to? And then it comes out. Oh, well, I'm actually a pastor of a church. I don't like to advertise that because it changes the conversation really quickly. <laughs> but I'll tell you this: they got excited about that. They saw a difference. They saw a difference. So much so that one of the nurses asked me, how do I help my brother 
who's just had to have a colostomy bag put on. How, how, how do I communicate to him? Because he's really down about it. Can you give me some help? A nurse asked that. I'm like, sure. But I can only help so much. Because the real joy, the real goodness, is found in God, is found in Jesus Christ alone. Believer, that's a message you need to deliver. Good tidings. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for this opportunity to be here. Thank you again for an opportunity to get into your word and, Lord, to see what you've done for us. While it is this time of year that we do celebrate you coming here and doing this for us, Lord, I pray that this will be something that we think about throughout all of the time of the years that we have that you've given to us. That, Lord, it wouldn't just be around one season, that it would be throughout our life. And, Lord, I am so glad that somebody delivered good tidings to me about how you are my Savior. And, Lord, I just pray that each one of us here today would understand that and deliver that same message. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody here that has not trusted you as their Savior, that has not called upon you for salvation, Lord, I pray that they would do that this morning. I pray, Lord, that they would just come, that you get it taken care of. And, Lord, you'd be glorified, and there'd be angels singing in glory about a sinner that has come home. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior, I just want you to slip up your hand real quick. I just want somebody to show you the the good tidings that the angels are talking about, that Jesus Christ preaches about, and that every believer should be saying. If you're here today and you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior, just slip it up. Come forward. Somebody will show you something from the Word of God. Believer, if you need need to get some things taken care of about it, do it. But above all, one thing that you can do right now is you can just continue to praise God that you have good tidings that have been delivered to you. Make sure that that always is the praise of your life. The salvation that you have through Him. Again, Lord, I just thank you for this time. Pray you just uh, continue to meet with us, touch our hearts, and Move us the way you desire us to be as we sing praises unto you. And this I ask in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.